your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Friday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade, and we have a very exciting episode on the show today. We're going to be breaking down everything you need to know between Iowa and Illinois, and it is not going to be as easy of a game as people expect it to be when you are playing Illinois. It is going to be a tough, grinded-out game. If you didn't like the game, Iowa versus Minnesota, you're not going to like this one. A lot of running the ball even more so than Minnesota. So we're going to be talking about all that on the show today. But first, I want to thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. And this episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I am loving it. Let's get into the show, though, for today. As we talked about yesterday, we talked about Kirk Ferentz's press conference. We know that Mason Richmond's probably out. Alex Padilla is going to be the starter more than likely unless something drastically changes. And we also talked about the Iowa basketball game. Just a reminder, I'm not going to be doing any reviews of the Iowa versus Alabama State. I'm assuming they won, but I'm also pre-recording this as well because I'm actually in Iowa as we speak. As you're listening to this, I am in Iowa ready to go to my first game in quite some time. It has been a long time since I've been to an Iowa football game, so I'll be tailgating all day in Iowa City, and I'm back in Iowa right now getting ready for all that. So let's get into it, though. Uh, when I look at this game, a couple things I want to call out from a statistic perspective and from an Illinois perspective. Again, this team – excuse me, wow. Uh, this team is a very good running team. Now, what we saw against Minnesota, they lined up in 11 personnel – three wide receivers, one tight end, one running back, and they did a really great job of handing the ball off out of the shotgun. What we're going to see from Illinois is a little bit more traditional pound and ground football. They are going to play six and seven offensive linemen at given times. They have seven offensive linemen with over 277 snaps. They are willing to say, you know what? We're going to line up and tell you exactly what we're going to do, and you're not going to stop us. And it has worked for them, to be fair, especially recently. There's a reason they beat Penn State. There's a reason they beat Minnesota. They got scores early, and they ran the football. They play solid defense. They don't force a lot of turnovers, but they play solid defense, if not above average defense, and they run the football. They don't make a lot of mistakes, and they run the football. If you're not getting anything from the show, take away one thing. Illinois is going to run the freaking football. When you look at the running, their PFF grade of running is 80.3. And Chase Brown is the biggest factor in all of that. He has 85, or sorry, 35 missed tackles at this point. As a team, Illinois has 85 missed tackles forced. Chase Brown, right now, averaging six yards per carry, 143 attempts for 851 yards. But he's averaging 4.2 yards after contact per attempt. That's huge. As we saw against Minnesota, Iowa was struggling to bring down those ball carriers. It wasn't until the second half where the tackling shored up a little bit. Can they improve on that early on? Can they come out of the gate sure-handed tackling? Because Chase Brown, I've seen him play a couple games. 
He's a guy who will run over you, he'll run around you, and he will make you miss. Behind him, they have Josh McCray, who's averaging 5.2 yards. He has almost 500 yards rushing as well, averaging 4.2 yards per contact or per attempt after contact. Again, Iowa needs to wrap up against these guys because they are going to run the ball down Iowa's throat if they have the opportunity to. Outside of those guys, there's five guys on Illinois' roster with over 100 rushing yards. And Brandon Peters, their quarterback, can even run the football. We've seen this last year. Brandon Peters can get out of the pocket, and he can make Iowa pay. And they've done a really good job in recent years of getting leads on Iowa, especially, I guess, basically just last year. They did a great job of getting a lead on Iowa early and making you kind of sweat, thinking, is Illinois going to win this game? Is Illinois going to beat Iowa? So if you're sitting there thinking this is going to be an easy game, it's not. If Iowa doesn't clean up the things they screwed up against Minnesota, it will not be an easy game. Now, the key to success here is stopping the run. You stop the run, you force Illinois to throw the football. When you get them in throwing situations, that's where you have a lot more opportunities. With Arter Sikowski out, an injury, Brandon Peters is the only guy. Former Michigan recruit, a highly touted recruit, has seemingly regressed. Illinois doesn't want to put the ball in his hands. Only 111 attempts through eight games this year, one big-time throw, and two or three turnover-worthy plays. He's also dealing with some drops, 11.6 drop percentage to this point. But again, as I mentioned, Brandon Peters can get out of the pocket. So when he's throwing, you have to have eyes in the backfield. You have to be able to wrap him up because he's willing to scramble and has done so throughout the season. As far as throwing the football, though, not a big concern to go deep. Only 3 of 13 on deep balls this year. Most of his attempts are screens and play action. 18 out of 111 screen plays, 41 out of 111 are play action. And he targets primarily the middle of the field from the 0 to the 20s. Right where our linebackers are, right where our safeties are. Illinois does not have a guy that can burn our cornerbacks in one-on-one. Their main guy is a former quarterback, Isaiah Williams. Right now has 25% of the total targets from Illinois. That's double the next closest person, which is Casey Washington. And even Isaiah Williams is not overly concerning. His ability to gain yards after the catch, pretty darn good. His ability to force missed tackles, pretty good. But to play defense and play secondary for Phil Parker, you have to be a sound tackler. With Riley Moss back there, I feel a little bit better about this. But Isaiah Williams is their main go-to, but he has 11.6% drop rate. And his average at the target is only 7.5 yards. They're not going deep down the field, which aligns with what we saw with Brandon Peters' passing statistics. Their main guy is Isaiah Williams. Now, when you look back to Purdue, when you look back to Minnesota, there were concerns about how can Iowa cover their main wide receivers? How can Iowa cover David Bell? They tried manning up against David Bell, and it burned Iowa really bad. We saw a man against Chris Ottman Bell, and for the most part, Iowa did a pretty good job. But Chris Ottman Bell did that double move and got Minnesota right back in the football game. We are not facing a Chris Ottman Bell. We are not facing a David Bell. Isaiah Williams is neither of those guys. Isaiah Williams is a poor man's version of either of those guys. He is not on their level. And so when you're thinking about how does Iowa stop this rushing attack, Phil Parker's gotten a bit more creative running a 3-3-5, having Justin Jacobs on the line a little bit as well as a, uh, a stand-up rush linebacker. We saw a lot of run blitzes by Iowa later in the game against Minnesota. We could see a bit more of that. I would like to see 
what we've seen against Wisconsin, maybe a 4-4 or even a 5-3 at times, and really rely on your cornerbacks as long as you feel confident in Riley Moss and Matt Hankins to be able to handle the underwhelming group of wide receivers and tight ends for this Illinois squad. Mostly wide receivers. Our tight ends are the tight ends going to be covered by our linebackers. But that is going to be a really interesting factor in this game. Again, receiving has not been a big sample or a big point of emphasis for them. Again, run blocking is huge. No, no lineman on Illinois' team out of their top seven linemen has a run blocking grade below 68.9. But this is not as good of a run blocking team as Minnesota. Minnesota did that with five linemen. They had a huge offensive line, the most starts in the country. And they were able to do a lot of damage against Iowa, which is five offensive line, and they got to push every single time. Illinois does it by putting in more offensive line, not necessarily having better offensive linemen. So, again, that gives Iowa a bit of an advantage seeing what Minnesota is able to do to them. Can they make adjustments? And they know what Illinois is going to do. Illinois doesn't hide anything. Could Illinois get a bit more creative like we saw against with Minnesota or Minnesota against Iowa was doing some interesting quick tosses out of the shotgun? We could see some creativity from Illinois. But overall, I mean, every single game, the game plan has been the same. Get a lead, run the football, run the football, run the football. That is our big key. You have to stop the run in this game. Otherwise, Iowa screwed. They need to do a better job against stopping the run against Illinois than they did against Minnesota. Otherwise, Illinois could be having another upset and be one game away from bowl eligible. Coming up on segment two, we're going to get a bit more into Illinois and what they bring to the table and also continue giving you our game preview of this Iowa-Illinois game. Before we get to any of that, though, I want to remind you all, this episode of the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect, a place where classmates can meet up for a study group knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and an endless supply of french fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, and the away team can come to recharge and refuel. It's a place you always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I've been in that, in that stage in every single stage of my life. High school, after games, I'd go there. College, after night drinking, I would go to McDonald's, see what people are doing, see if there's afties. And now with my wife pregnant, I go there on a weekly basis because she loves McDonald's now, and I'm absolutely on board with that. So head over to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. And did someone say locked on Hawkeye's watch party? But ba 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 I am loving it. And I want to thank you all again for making the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Lockdown Hawkeyes. It's that easy. We are here Monday through Friday for free. Let's get back into our conversation regarding Illinois and Iowa. And we talked a lot about the running game. The goal is to get Illinois behind. They are not a team that can catch up. They are not a team that is built to come from behind. Stop the run force them to throw, we're going to have some opportunities to make some big-time plays there. Pass blocking-wise, this is not a strong team. For as good as they are run blocking, they are not as good pass blocking. A 54.6 PFF grade for pass blocking. Only one offensive lineman with a pass blocking grade above 62, and that is Viridian Lowe, who will be an NFL tackle next year. They've allowed 81 pressures and 16 sacks. Again, mind you, this is a team – that does not throw the ball a lot. Brandon Peters, only 111 attempts in eight games. Now, granted, I'm not taking into account Arter Sikowski's dropbacks, but that is still a significant amount of pressure. 
given the amount of dropbacks. Arter Sikowski had roughly 140 attempts, so you're at probably 250. 81 divided by 250, that's not a good number. That means one out of every three plays, the quarterback is getting pressure on them. This is an opportunity for a defensive line that has struggled to get pressure on the quarterback to have a heyday. For Joe Evans and Zach Valkenberg to get pressure on the quarterback. We did not see that against Minnesota until late. It would be great to see Iowa stop the run early, get Illinois in passing downs, and eat, 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 and force some turnovers. Again, Illinois, not a good pass blocking team. 81st in sack percentage allowed. Defensively, what does Illinois bring to the table? They're a pretty stout defense. The rush defense does have some issues. PFF grades 64.5. Teams are averaging 4.1 yards per carry against Illinois, which puts them kind of in the middle of the pack overall. But that pass rush can be a bit scary. Led by Owen Carney Jr., he has six sacks, 33 pressures on the season, a 73.5 PFF grade. Isaiah Gay, 24 pressures, three sacks, a 78.2 pass rushing grade. And Keith Randolph Jr., seven pressures, three sacks, a 66.7 pass rush grade. The overall pass rush is 35th in the nation according to PFF. So our tackles are going to have their work cut out for them, just like they did against Minnesota, and they handled that test. It also helped that Alex Padilla was able to get out of the pocket and avoid some very bad plays at very important times. The other thing to watch out for is some of the linebacker blitzes. Jake Hanson, who feels like he has been in Illinois for his entire life, has been affected to rush the passer. Pretty darn good to watch out for some of those linebacker blitzes as well, especially kind of what Iowa did with their run blitzing. You're blitzing, and if your guy drops out, you kind of follow him. Going up there, seeing what you can do, see what kind of chaos you can cause. I'm going to expect Iowa to load the box, see if they can force Alex Padilla to win the game. And I, I feel comfortable with Alex Padilla trying to win that game, putting the ball in his hands. Coverage is going to be interesting, though. Illinois, one of the better secondaries in the league, but they struggle with missed tackles. Three of their six, or four of their six, excuse me, main defensive backs are struggling with tackles. For example, Sidney Brown, their starting safety, 13 missed tackles. Tony Adams, starting corner, 12 missed tackles. Tavon Nicholson has eight missed tackles and a 44.4 missed tackle percentage. That bodes well when you have guys like Keegan Johnson and Tyrone Tracy Jr. and Arlen Bruce, who do a great job of baiting guys in the running and just using their pure strength to get out of tackles. Look at what Keegan Johnson did against Minnesota. Look what Arlen Bruce does in traffic. And look what Tyrone Tracy Jr. did circa 2019. This team is allowing a lot of passing yards per game, roughly 72nd in the nation in passing yards allowed per game. So there's opportunities through the air for this Iowa football team. The one person they want to avoid is Kirby Joseph. It'll be really interesting to see how does Illinois line up with their cover corners and who are they putting Kirby Joseph on? He has four interceptions to the season, a 90.3 coverage grade, and has only allowed nine catches on the season. Does he cover Keegan Johnson? Does that mean a Charlie Jones might have some opportunities or an Arlen Bruce? That'll be a very interesting matchup for Iowa, Keegan Johnson versus Kirby Joseph. That's kind of the breakdown of what Illinois is going to do from a defensive perspective as well. Now, again, when I look at these keys of the game, there's several keys to the game. I think it's worth noting that Brett Bielema is going to be out of this game with COVID. Now, I don't think that changes Illinois' game plan at all. But anytime you're missing your head coach, you lose that guy. You lose the main guy out there who's motivating you, 
who's getting you going, who's making those tough calls. Now you're putting that on coordinators who haven't worked as long together. That'll be an interesting thing to watch in this game. And we talked a little bit about it. Iowa needs to stop the run. Illinois is averaging 48.3 attempts per game in the last three games, which is fifth overall in the nation if you just took that number. Ahead of Wisconsin and Minnesota. Again, they do it with their offensive line, unlike Minnesota, where they just allow their five guys. Illinois brings in more guys. Can Iowa get a little bit more creative? Will we see a 4-4 or 5-2 or 5-3? I think we should, if Phil Parker wants to shut down this run game early, force Illinois to attack the secondary. The other piece to note is when you're playing a team like Illinois, you do not want to give them any additional opportunities. The turnover battle becomes even more important. Now, Alex Padilla did have two bad throws, that could have and should have been interceptions against Minnesota. Those could have been detrimental to the success of the Iowa football team and their ability to win that game, especially given where those potential interceptions almost took place at. Illinois does not turn the ball over. They are 22nd in the nation in giveaways with only 0.9 per game. Part of that is the fact they never throw the football. The other part of it is sound ball control by their running backs. Takeaways-wise, Illinois is 60th with 1.4 takeaways. This is a team that's not going to beat itself which is evidenced by the fact they're also 16th in penalties per game. Again, that turnover battle becomes even more important. Can Iowa just get one or two and swing the momentum of this game, get an early lead? And that goes back to my last, my other thing is you need to get a lead early. It's the same thing versus Minnesota. These two teams are very, very similar. Minnesota just does it better and also has a little bit better passing attack. Illinois is not built to come from behind. Last year, they came out hot. They're not able to hold it, but you need Iowa to get up early. That way, Iowa can be in cruise control versus Illinois, and Illinois is playing from behind, giving that secondary more opportunities to take advantage of a bad and porous packing attack. And again, can Iowa get back to the basics? Can they run the football against Illinois? We mentioned passing-wise, there's definitely some opportunities there. There's also some opportunities in the rushing attack as well. As I said earlier, Illinois is allowing 4.1 yards per game. They are 62nd in the nation in rushing yards allowed. For comparison's sake, we have gone up in the last five weeks, we've gone up against the first-ranked rushing defense, the 16th-ranked rushing defense, and the 33rd-ranked rushing defense. We're going to have more opportunities to run the ball, and we're going to have more opportunities, I believe, passing the ball as well. Illinois' defense has been sound at playing fundamental football with Alex Padilla being able to make plays with his feet, with Keegan Johnson emerging as the number one wide receiver, and Arlen Bruce getting a bit more time, and Charlie Jones showing that he can be a deep threat, and Alex Padilla being able to hit him, we could be up for a pretty nice offensive day for the Iowa Hawkeyes. Again, it'll be really important for Iowa to come out swinging, get a lead early, and build on that versus Illinois. Coming up, I'm going to give you my predictions for this game, talk a little bit about the line, and an interesting stat I saw about Illinois and their scores throughout the season. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you all that when I talk to you about those bets, I'm actually placing all of my bets at betaline.ag, my number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Betaline.ag is back and better than ever with a new web interface for the start of the basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Betaline.ag is the number one spot. You can head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. All you need to do is use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Las Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline.ag is the fastest 
and the easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports, betonline.ag, where the game starts. Now, you've heard me talk about Built Bars before. If you haven't tried one yet, why the heck not? You are absolutely missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky, they're waxy, or they're just plain hard to choke down. Believe me, I have tried so many protein bars and have come away unimpressed by every single one, except one. And it was Built Bar. Built Bar is soft. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience, one that you'll enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. So if you haven't tried Built Bar yet, why not? We got an awesome promo code for you. And if you have tried Built Bar, have you tried one of their new flavors being released every three to four days? Well, you're in luck. Go to Built.com, that's B-U-I-L-T.com, and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. We talked a lot about what Illinois is bringing to the table. I want to wrap up with talking about how to bet this game and how this game flow is going to work. I think there's a lot of opportunities with the offense, especially with Alex Padilla under center. And I think what we're going to see is I was going to take a few shots early. We're going to see some creativity because they need to get a lead early. They do not want to fall victim to what we saw, Illinois versus Minnesota or Illinois versus Penn State. You do not allow a team like Illinois to stay in that game. You need to get points on the board early. That's when the wheels fall off. We saw it happening against Maryland. They had a nice start. We got a turnover too. All of a sudden, Iowa is cruising to a victory. Different game plan, but cruising to a victory nonetheless. Iowa needs to get points on the board early. And with Alex Padilla at quarterback, with Keegan Johnson and Charlie Jones as deep threats, this is a great opportunity for Iowa to take shots deep early, open up, and spread out the defense because they're going to be concerned about that, and that will open up running lanes as well against a team that does allow some solid rushing attacks. The line going into this game is minus 11.5, and, and the over-under is 37.5, with Iowa minus 480. Here's the thing. I'm taking the under here. I don't think Illinois can put up a lot of points. Even if Illinois plays this game the way they want to, it's more than likely going to be a 20-14 to 14 game, a 17-14 to 14 game, because they're going to run the clock down, they're going to wear it on the defense, and Iowa's going to have a limited amount of possessions. If Iowa's able to stop the run early and force Illinois to throw, I think Iowa's going to put on a pretty good display of scoring, but not enough to get above that 37.5 points. So it's either going to be a very close game or Iowa wins by 30 or 33. I just don't think we're going to cover that 37.5. As far as covering that 11.5, that's a tough one. You look at how Illinois has played other teams, and they played these games close. But I'm going to take Iowa to cover this one on senior day. They've already seen a similar rushing attack, or at least a similarly based offense on the rushing attack with Minnesota. They're going to come back with better defensive adjustments for this. Illinois' passing attack, not nearly as, as quality level as Minnesota's. Not that Minnesota's is quality. So I think Iowa can cover that 11.5, and, and I think the under is actually going to hit at that 37.5. You probably want to get it at 38 if you can. But one thing I want to note, though, when I talk about Illinois not putting up a lot of points, since their first two games, they've only scored 24 po- or tw- more than 20 points once, and that was against UTSA. Was the, well, I guess UTSA the last time they scored more than 24 points, excuse me. But they only scored 24 points once. Otherwise, here's their scores in those games in the last eight games. 14, 17, 9, 24, 0, 20, and 9 overtimes. 
14 to 14. This is not a team that can put up a lot of points. Either Iowa's going to win this game handedly, or it's going to be a close game. Illinois is going to put up 10, 12, 13, something like that. And Iowa's going to win by a touchdown. In that case, you still hit the under. You didn't get that over under, or sorry, the spread. But I think really Iowa is going to cover that spread and the under is going to hit, which is pretty non-traditional to take that route. But feel free to do that. Take it at betonline.ag. I'll be riding on it. Um, but it will be interesting to see how does Illinois come out coming off a bye. Will they be more creative? I don't think so. We haven't seen a whole lot of creativity out of this Illinois offense. Just a lot of ground and pound, plug seven linemen in there, and just attack the defense. It'll be a lot of fun, though. If you see me out and about in Iowa City, definitely come by and say hi. I'd appreciate that. I'll be wearing a Ricky Stanzi jersey and probably a locked-on hat. So definitely say hi to me if you see me. We'd love to hear from y'all. And as always, Hawk Nation, I appreciate you tuning in to another episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. And make sure you check out the Locked On Bets podcast because after you place bets on this Iowa game, check out the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. They'll give you the breakdown of other games you can bet on that Lee's going to be betting on with Paramount Sports throughout this weekend. Again, thank you all for tuning in. Have a fantastic Friday, an even better weekend. We'll be back covering the game. The win, hopefully, with LaShawn Daniels. So stay tuned for that. But as always, Hawkeye Nation, have a great day. And as always, let's go, Hawks.